Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national NBA writer for the Washington Post. And today I'm joined for what should be a fun episode uh, by my friend Jared Dubin, a prolific freelancer, as he just described himself, who has writing at about a billion places on the internet, all of it excellent. So Jared, how's it going? It's going pretty well, but I'm upset that you let people know that I described myself as a prolific freelancer. Well, now it makes me look like it makes me look like an idiot. <laughs> well, no, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's true. Uh, it just means that you just means that you have writing on every site on the internet, just about. Uh, yeah, I look. The backstory. Know, the backstory to that was I asked you. I always, as if anybody listens to the podcast, knows <laughs> I put where people are from when they come on, and Jared. Jared's just got writing it at like 25 different sites. So I didn't, I don't really have a easy answer to, to plug them into. I've been grinding my whole life. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's all excellent work. And, uh, Jared actually, Jared actually should get some credit. Uh, today, today we finally launched, uh, at the Washington post We finally launched my top 100 list, uh, which looks fantastic. You guys should all definitely go check it out. Our graphic team did, did an amazing job uh, arting everything up, but Jared Jared had a hand in uh, in the rankings. Not that he picked anything, but I, I definitely ran him by him a couple of times to see what he thought. So if you uh, if you have any issues with him, Jared can at least be partially blamed. So you can send some of the angry tweets I've gotten to him. One one thing I actually wanted to ask you about that I've gotten a lot of people who are very angry that I ranked Dirk forty second. I kind of feel like that should be a positive thing for Dirk, given that he's like. 40 years old, right? Am yeah, I wrong well, to think first, that it's crazy first, that that seems, that seems first pretty of all, generous? Yeah, uh, so first of all, I'll take like 49% of the blame for people that are yelling at you. Like, <laughs> that's I still a, that's want enough you to for get, me. That's enough for I me. I still want you to get most of the blame, but I'll, like, I'll shoulder some of it. Um, second of all, I, I've gotten some tweets from people too because I retweeted it when you threw it out there. And, and there's these people that are like so mad that like Jimmy Butler is two spots ahead of James Harden or or Clay Thompson is two spots ahead of Jimmy Butler and four ahead of James Harden. And it's just like it's hilarious. Why are first of all, why are you getting so angry? They're all like two spots away from each other. <laughs> That's right. Can't can't you just be like, okay, they're all fifteen players. They're all top fifteen players and it's very close between all of them. Like rather than getting all in a twist because, you know, Clay Thompson is nine and James Harden's thirteen, like there's some massive difference between that. Like they're both, you know, top one percent players in the league, or whatever it is, top three right. percent players in the league. Right. Um, with with Dirk, I would say, uh, you know, just check out what I wrote about Dirk on Vice Sports. Good times. There you go. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Pro, we're plugging up. We're plugging already. Uh, wide, widely respected around the internet. Um, <laughs> Straight shooter on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. I mean, look at at Dirk's age to be a top. 40 or 50 player is incredible. Like, again, if you look at it this way, like it's a top 10% player in the league. Right. At his age, look at, look at his peers. They're all retired. Let me put it, let me put it to the, good. let me put it to the Mavs fans this way. Okay. I ranked Dirk 42nd. I would have ranked Kobe Bryant last year, 420th. Okay. <laughs> so let, let's just settle down. on hating the fact that Dirk is 42nd on the list for a ranking for this season. I think it's just fine. People focus, uh, people focus too much on the number rather than like where that is in their place in the league, you know, because a lot of these lists are top 50 or top 100, it looks worse than it actually is. Like if you think about it again, that's a top 10% player in the league. That's ridiculous. Right. At 38, 
Like when he, yeah. when he shouldn't be able to walk, let alone still be a guy that can get, that's maybe the most, you know, has the most gravity of any big man in the entire league. Like, well, I would say he can't walk. Um, <laughs> he pretty he much can't. Has. Right. He pretty yeah. much can't. That's even more amazing. Like, uh, the funniest thing about this is I, I may be the biggest Dirk fan of anybody. Like, uh, I mean, everybody in the NBA media is a Dirk fan, but I, I just love Dirk. Like, I just think he's, uh, he's incredible. Oh, Jared Jack waved. Interesting. Now, yeah, how much, Hawks, how like much right you want to, we jumped on now, man, how much do you want to bet? He ends up on the Cavs. Oh, that makes so much sense. Right. Yeah. Now, are, I don't remember the exact, they would be allowed to sign him now. Right. I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah. Why wouldn't they be? Well, no, I was just thinking cause they signed him to that contract initially, but, but yeah, no, that's, um, he, yeah, he's been gone from the team. That, that's not how that works, man. That would make a ton of sense. I actually think they'd be a good fit for them too. Like they only yeah, need I mean, is, all they need is right an old now, head to be around to like kind of make sure that if K Felder can't do it at all, he could play a little right. bit. Exactly. I was gonna say right now Felder's really their only backup for Kyrie and they have high hopes, but you don't necessarily know what he's gonna give you for sure. And you know, you have to be mindful of a potential injury risk for Kyrie too. You know, he's had a few over the last few years. Right. Obviously you hope he's fully healthy and he certainly looked fully healthy by the end of last season. But you never know if a guy is going to stay that way, and you can't wind up with Felder as your only guy. Yeah, the only the only issue might be I don't know. If, I know Jarrett's still coming back from his torn ACL, so maybe he's not healthy enough. But that that would be uh, that would seem like a that would seem like a great fit. And Jarrett, I hope I hope Jarrett lands somewhere like that because he's one of the uh, you know you, you, as you know as well as I do from him being with the Nets, he's one of the class yep. guys in the league. So hopefully, even even if he may frustrate people with his game sometimes, hopefully he. Uh, yeah. He ends up somewhere because he's great. I also appreciate uh, his pregame routine. He does a lot of cool dribbling work during yes, pregame, he does. Yes, which he does. Uh, I talked to him about when I did a story on that. Uh, I did a story on pregame warmups for Grantland a few years ago. Very cool. Story. And uh, he yes, was one of the guys I talked to can you, for it. Can you is, is that still able to be found on the interwebs or is the whole Grantland? Yeah, I mean, you probably have to Google like my name, Grantland, and pregame warmups because. None of the Grantland author pages like actually exist anymore. Right, just the um, stories are there, right? Yeah, you right. got to do some sleuth work to find it. But it's worth it, though. That's a really that's a really there. cool story that Jared wrote on that. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, hopefully, hopefully Jared Jared latches on somewhere. But all right, so the reason I had Jared come on today is we're going to do what I think every NBA podcast does at some point during October to try to get ready for the season and to try to kill some time, which is to do an over-unders podcast. So we'll bounce around a league. We'll go through all the teams uh, using uh, lines from uh, the, the, the Westgate uh, book in Vegas, the best book I think there. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll see what we think about the league. So let's start in the East and we'll start with Atlanta, uh, which comes in at 43 and a half. So I know Jared, you had a, a family or a family, a, a roommate, uh, a roommate pool on the on the overrunners, which we'll get into towards the end of the podcast. So I know you've looked at these, but what uh, what's your take on Atlanta to start with? Yeah, it, this is really tough because they won forty eight last year, but I don't think that they were necessarily as good as a forty eight win team, even though they actually underperformed their point differential. You know, I thought. In like close and late situations, they weren't necessarily reliable. Now there's a whole lot of roster turnover for them. You know, no Horford, no Teague, and I'm not a big Schroeder guy. And even though I think Dwight's going to do well, I feel like there's a lot of downside potential here. So I like the under. I'm going to take the over. 
I think that's a respectable. I think that's a respectable under. Um, I I look at it more as I think Atlanta is going to be the fourth team in the East in the regular season. I think Dwight's actually going to make the All Star team. I think he's going to be really good this year. Um, and I, I it's hard for me to find a lot of teams that I like in the East. So just kind of by like the wins have to go somewhere, and kind of by process of elimination, you start knocking teams off. I just think Atlanta is probably going to end up somewhere close to where they were last year. But but your your point is fair. You know Dwight. But you know I'm I'm not a huge Dennis Schroeder fan. Dwight could Dwight Dwight is uh, is capable of of you know messing things up. It's it could be uh, it could be interesting. Yeah, it's also like you know Corver is now like very much in his mid 30s. You know if he loses a half step again, all of a sudden he's a much much different player than he was two years ago. And when he they was won. bad last year too, really. Right. I mean, he was not. Yeah. Well, he, he was, was coming not, off the no, he was coming the off the surgery. injury. But but yeah, I mean if he doesn't if he doesn't even come if he doesn't even if he just stays the same as he did last year, that's that's not great. Right. And you know couple that with I mean I think they could be a little bit better defensively. Um, just because of Dwight and the way he patrols the middle and yeah, Schroeder the with the length, the rebounding, that was like their big issue the last few years. But I, I see a lot of downside potential offensively um, if, if Dwight thinks that he needs to post up. Like I saw a quote in the preseason, he thinks he needs to start shooting jumpers, which like talk about a guy that doesn't realize <laughs> what he should be doing. Yeah. Um, and, and then just, you know, if, if Corver takes a half step back at all, and Schroeder can't really shoot either. All of a sudden, you're talking about having to manufacture spacing, you know, which they were able to do really well when they had a lot of guys that that moved the ball really well. Horford's such a great passer. You're not necessarily having the same kind of ball movement um, with, now that you've gone from from those guys to Dwight and Schroeder. Um, and, and I'm just I'm, I'm not necessarily positive they're going to go under, but I feel like there's a lot of downside potential and there's like the Millsap trade potential at a certain point too, if they're not towards the top of the conference. Yeah, they, they, for a team that's been known as being so boring and kind of so stable for a few years now, there is a lot of volatility there. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Paul Millsap was very upset with the way the summer went. I could, you know, he's going to be a free agent. A lot of people don't think he's going to resign. If they don't get off to a great start, I could definitely see them punting on him. Um, you know, you mentioned Dwight has had drama, you know, just about everywhere he's been. I kind of think he's going to have a throwback season uh, being with Atlanta's training staff and kind of the way things are going to go. But, um, you know, I, I, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, I think you're I think you're under there is is, is very fair. And, you know, I, I won't be at all surprised if they they come a lot closer to their their downside than what I think their upside is. All right. So Boston, 51 and a half. What, what is your take there? I was on the Celtics over last year, and they got that, and I'm on the over for the same reason this year. I think that they are a very, a team that is basically built exactly to win more games in the regular season than you expect them to and not necessarily be quite as good in the playoffs because it's a deep, versatile team that will be able to beat teams by having no bad players on the floor ever where other teams are yep. going to have stretches where they have yep. you know, one, two, or even three bad players on the floor, and they're just never going to have players who are true minuses out there, I don't think. Yeah. So I think they get into the mid-50s. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's it's depth is underrated in the NBA. I mean, you know this as well as anybody. If you have 10 to 12 guys who are real legitimate NBA players on your team, you kind of have a floor of like 35 wins. 
even if even if they're all just mediocre, like well, it's it's kind of the Sacramento thing. We'll get to them later. But like if you if you just have a roster full of guys that are worthy of being in the league, you're gonna automatically be okay because then when you whenever you have injuries or you have things come up and you 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 get your depth tested a little, you're still gonna be fine. You'd be more rested on back to backs. Um, you know, and I, I think your assessment of Boston is perfect. I also have them as the over, and they, to me, they are they are exactly kind of like what the Nuggets were under George Carl at the end. They're like what the Hawks were a couple years ago when they won sixty. They're a team that's got a, a, several really good players, but no superstar players. That's got a lot of depth. That's going to win a ton of regular season games, and then if they come up against a team with some truly elite talent in the playoffs, they'll struggle. So I think that was a good summation. Yep, that's basically where I come down to. And it's, I think they could give the Cavs like a tough series, but at a certain point, there's just things there they can't deal with. But I think to me, this is like their head and shoulders above a lot of the rest of the East. Uh, you know, maybe Toronto, you put in a group with them too, but pretty much everybody else, I think, is fighting in a different tier. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, all right, so Brooklyn, 20 and a half. Yeah. They got to 21 last year. See, I think this is easy. I think it's an easy over. Like, I don't, I don't think the Nets are going to be awesome at all when I say that. But they won 21 games last year when they basically didn't practice the last three months. They had nobody on the coaching staff really expected to be back. They didn't play Brooke Lopez and Thaddeus Young the last basically three weeks of the season. Uh, they, they, just, they didn't have uh, Ronnie Hollis Jefferson for basically the entire season. They had terrible point guard play the entire season. Now, this could get screwed up if Brook either gets hurt or gets traded. But I'm, uh, Brook's right. been healthy for two or three years now. I'm expecting him to be healthy, and I don't think they're going to trade him. So I think Jeremy Lin is a huge upgrade at point guard. I think he's going to be fine. You know, he'll put up good numbers, and they'll be, they'll be fine. Um, him and Brook Lopez will be a nice combo. They have a lot of young guys who are going to get time, and I think over the course of the year will get better. And I think they've got a really good coach and a good coaching staff in Kenny Atkinson. So I think they're going to win 24 or 25 games, and I think they're going to go over. I see all that in my head, and then I also see, like, somebody has to be really, really bad this year. Um, yeah, there's I, think, at least... I think that team's going to be the Sixers, but I think a lot of people probably yeah. think it's going to be the Nets. Yeah, there's at least one team like that every season. Like, obviously, the Sixers have been like that the last few years. Um, you know, a lot of it depends on if they keep Brooke and Lynn for the whole season. Like, I like a lot of the principles involved here. Sean Marks is really smart Kenny Atkinson is a really good coach who will help a lot of their younger guys to develop and that's when you know when you start thinking about Atkinson developing the young guys you realize they don't have a lot of reliable guys in their rotation beyond Brooke and Lynn and if either one of those guys gets hurt or gets traded at any point all of a sudden you're looking at a team with like question marks at spots two through ten in the rotation mm-hmm. so I mean and, and I like Hollis Jefferson but we've also only seen him play for like half a year and he didn't bring much to the table offensively and there's only so much you could do with a wing defender as like your second or third best player yeah so. i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if um i wouldn't be surprised if i wound up being wrong on that but i i i think that i, I think they're gonna end up going over i i think i i kind of i'm putting my faith in in kenny atkinson to to develop these guys but you know we'll, we'll see what happens it's it's tough, and I could definitely see the overhitting, but I'm putting my faith in everything going wrong for New York basketball <laughs> at all times. Now that is always a wise move. Yeah. So I can I can I can definitely uh, I can definitely see that. 
It's um, not one of my favorite bets, but I, I do think I would. I feel safer a little bit with the yeah. under. Yeah, and no, I, I, I look and the Nets. The Nets don't have much going for them. Anybody, uh, anybody betting on uh, uh, anybody, anybody betting on the under there isn't isn't making too much of a, a mistake. I don't think. All right, right. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets over under yep. of thirty nine and a half. This is actually one of uh, the bets I put in with my roommates that you mentioned earlier uh the three of us all picked our five favorite over-unders for the season i'm presuming hornets over yeah i have the hornets going over they won 48 games last year um and i think their point differential might have been even better than that 49 wins um with their point differential so they actually underperformed by a win Uh, i know they lost jeremy lynn courtney lee and al jefferson but they're getting Michael Kidd Gilchrist back. Uh, they brought Marvin Williams back, who was really good for them last season. They got sort of similar player to Lynn in Ramon Sessions. Like, I don't think he's quite as good, but at least it's not a situation where you have a drop off to like a replacement level player. Um, and just the way they play and the way Steve Clifford coaches them, I feel like they're a very high floor team. Um, they're always going to win the defensive rebounds, they're never going to give up transition points. They're going to play top half of the league defense and probably better. Um, and I think if Kemba plays as well or better as he did last year, that they'll easily get over 39. And I think they'll make the playoffs again. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I had them as my eight seed. Um, I think I'm going to take the over two because of that. Cause I think they'll probably be around 500. I do have some real concerns. I, I think the Lynn to sessions drop off or the sessions to Lynn drop off a little, a little, a little bigger than you think. Um, you know, it's going to be hard for them to run those two point guard lineups they did with Lynn that were so effective with Sessions because then mm-hmm. he and Kemba both can't guard anybody. Um, you know, I, Lynn's not a, a great defender, but he's a, he's a bigger and stronger guy, so he could kind of body up some twos in a way that that Sessions really can't. Um, and I, I think losing losing Lynn, Courtney Lee, and and Al Jefferson, and you know, like they got. Marco Bellinelli and Ramon Sessions, and I mean, I don't even know who their backup center is. I guess probably Kaminsky will play there some. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, they signed Roy Hibbert. They got Hibbert. That's right. They signed Hibbert, who, I mean, he he's obviously, he obviously had a rough year last year, and maybe he can bounce back a little bit. But I, I just think they got worse at all three of those spots. So I think they're going to slip some. Um, but I, I do think it's a fair over, and Steve Clifford's a terrific coach. So if they can, uh, you know, if they can, if they can keep it at the same level, um, they were last year, even if they lose a couple spots, they're not going to lose a ton. So Yeah, I just, I just don't see them losing 10 more games than they did last season. That would be wild to me, which is what would need to happen for them to go under. Yes. No, I think that I think that's I think that's very fair. That's why I took the over also. Um, here's an interesting one for me. The Chicago Bulls at 38 and a half. Yeah. It's one of the this tougher ones like, for me. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think it's. A lot like Atlanta, where I see so much potential for downside if things go even remotely wrong. Right. Um, but there's like a lot of actual talent there too. And if it coalesces, then you can look really dumb by going under. <laughs> that said, um, they were not very good last season, and I don't feel like the overall talent level, you know, even after adding Wade, is so much higher than it was last season. And just the the fit combined with that fact makes me feel like under is the better bet. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely taking the under. 
I, I could, I, I think I could look wrong, uh, like you said, pretty badly wrong if it works out. Um, however, the, uh, the, the Bulls don't have a lot of defensive talent, and they have no shooting. And the only guys that can't shoot are guys like Doug McDermott and Nicholas, Nikola Miritich, who can't really guard anybody. So they just have kind of an ill-fitting roster, and I'm, I'm not sold on Fred Hoiberg as the coach. And so I, I think that's just going to be kind of an ugly situation, and I'm, I'm going under. But to your point, they do have a lot of talent, and if they do manage to put it together, I, I could easily see a scenario where we both looked up. Yeah, let me ask you this. If they had just not signed Rondo, I feel like I would be going with the over here. Is, is that, does that make sense to you? If they had, instead of, instead of either Wade or Rondo, they had a guy that could feasibly stretch the floor, like a, a decent player that could stretch the floor at either of those spots, I would agree with you. Um, because they, they just don't have any shooting at all. Like, if they're, if they're if right now, I think they're going to start Taj Gibson. So at power forward, so their starting lineup is Rondo, Butler, Wade, Gibson, and Lopez. So I mean, why would you should just have like you should play like the old high school uh, rule where you just have like everybody line up on the paint? It's like you, you know, <laughs> let everybody shoot fifteen foot jumpers because they can't they can't do anything else on offense then. So. I don't know. And only a couple of those guys can really shoot the 20-foot jumpers. Like, right. It's not like Rondo's knocking down 20-footers right. all game. Right, I mean, look, if, if Rondo proves that last year wasn't a fluke and he starts hitting 38% of his threes every year, all right, then maybe things will change. But I got to It's also like it. even if he hits at you know a, a high percentage like that or if he hits you know 40-whatever percent from the deep mid-range – um, I'm not sure how much it matters because nobody's going to loosen up their defense to respect nope. that jumper from nope. him. Nope. They're just going to say, okay, Rajan, keep shooting. He'd have to start making six a game for that to happen. So, yeah, yeah it's, I, I just, that's what I can't get over. I just I keep looking at that shooting. I just don't see – I just don't – and it's the same uh, – we'll get to Oklahoma City later. It's the same problem I've really come around to have with Oklahoma City. Like the way NBA defenses are now, they're so sophisticated. You have to be able to attack teams in multiple ways. And if you have nobody that can shoot – it just makes it so much harder for you to really execute anything on offense, no matter how good your players are. Um, yep. So I just think especially that's be tough. Teams just straight up ignore guys in, uh, now, like right. especially when if you get to the playoffs. Right. They ten years ago, that was treatment. Ten years ago, it was not like that. Maybe even five or six years ago, it wasn't like that. But but yeah, no, it's it's really become that way now. Where if you can't if you can't threaten somebody, teams are more than happy to just leave you alone. Yep. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you go ahead and try to beat us. I mean, look. The Cavs won the championship because they did that to Harrison Barnes. Yeah, they and said look, Harrison Chicago Barnes, might lead the league and leave alone guys. Yes, they might. Them or OKC. You know, we'll get to them later. I mean, they're both they're very similar teams now um, in the way that Milwaukee uh, has a bunch too. Up. I feel like yes, they do. Well, they're another one without Middleton. We'll get to them later too. Yeah, uh, without without Middleton, there they're going to be uh, they're going to be in a similar spot. Um, all right, the Cleveland Cavaliers at fifty six and a half. Yeah, this basically depends on whether they are whether or not they decide to try all season. Like you, you see them in sort of championship hangover mode right now, going and getting drunk at Indians games. Um, <laughs> I, I could easily see them saying, "All right, we're just gonna mess around and win like fifty three games." You know, they won fifty seven last year, um, but that was with Kyrie missing some time at the start of the season with all of their problems with uh, you know the, the coaching change and all that stuff. Like, I, I certainly think they're more talented than. Uh, 
what was it? 55 and a half? 56, 56 and a half? And a half. I, yeah, I think they're more talented than that. Like, I think they're a high 50s to 60 win team. But I do feel like they're probably going to go under because they're just not going to try in the regular season. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I'm I'm definitely taking the under on the Cavs. I, I think that Toronto's going to actually win, end up with the most wins in the East this year because I, I, I still think the Cavs are by far the best team. But I think the Cavs are going to, like you said, coast through the regular season. I mean, what do they have to prove? I mean, they, right. they made the finals two years in a row. They have an old team. I mean, Kyrie Irving didn't practice, I think, the first two and a half weeks of training camp. Uh, they just signed J.R. Smith. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's hard to see why they would come into the regular season and go, hey, you know what, we've got we've to go to the wall to try to win as many games as we can right now. It just, yeah. just doesn't seem – just doesn't really make sense. I think it's fair to say that the only – games they care about the entire season are the finals rematch with the Warriors. Right. Right. Once they get to the playoffs, they'll turn it up. But until then, like they're just they're just killing time. You know. They won't even really need to turn it up the first couple rounds of the playoffs, I don't think. They no, they really shouldn't. I mean they really shouldn't have to. I mean it, They didn't last year. Right. Right. No, that's true. I mean they didn't really. Um yeah. you know, they didn't really. Um all right. Uh the Detroit Pistons, another interesting one at forty five and a half. I loved this over until Reggie Jackson got hurt. This I was going to pick now, Detroit to win 50 games and be my number four seed in the East and maybe even maybe squeak even up to third before the Reggie Jackson news. Yeah, I mean, I like Ish Smith as a backup point guard. Right. I do not like playing Ish Smith 35-plus minutes a night. Um, he, he's and now incredibly they don't have a fast. Smith. I mean, if something happened, right. I mean, I don't like that, and I don't like the fact that if he's if something happens to him, I don't even know who's playing point guard. It might be Stanley Johnson. Yeah, who even is their backup point guard with Reggie right out? I'm going to look it up right now while you're talking. They don't still have Steve Blake, do no, they? No, Steve Blake isn't on the team. It's some young guy. But um, I don't remember who it is. I'll look it up right now. Might be might be Ray McCall. It's uh, yeah, it's Ray Lorenzo McCall. Brown. What? No, Ray Ray McCallum, I think is going to be their third guard. I think. Oh, well, yeah, that's it. Look, the fact that we both just had to go to basketball reference and look it up tells you, I think, what we're talking about here. Um, the point guard situation is not very good for them until Reggie gets back. Um, you know, Ish is very small. He's he's very fast and he's a good distributor, but he can't shoot like at all. Like you think Reggie is not a good outside shooter. Ish Smith can't shoot. It's like Rondo level not being able to shoot or maybe even worse. Right. Um, and defensively, I think his lack of size hurts them too. You know, not that Reggie's the greatest defender in the world, but at least guys can't just straight up shoot over him whenever they want, um, like like people can to Ish. Yep. Uh, I think that he can run that pick and roll with Andre Drummond and get their offense moving the right way. It's just not quite as dangerous as it is with Reggie, and and that's like the entire basis of their team being good is the da- how dangerous that Reggie Drummond pick and roll is. Yeah, no, totally agree. I mean, that that was their whole offense last year. They would run those pick and rolls and, and hit guys spotting up for shots or or hit drum and go into the rim. And um, you know, I mean, their their starting lineup was really good. The problem was their their bench was no bench. horrendous. You know, mm-hmm. Steve Blake would come in and things would fall apart. And that was why you know, not that Ish Smith is a world beater, but getting a guy like him was a really nice fit for them, just for what they needed and just to give them you know adequate. Backups. It goes back to the to, to to the ten NBA players thing. If you can have two lines of NBA players, you're you're going to be in really good shape. Um, and right. now losing Reggie Jackson. And the scary thing about that is, like tendonitis is not. It's not like he. 
I'd feel better almost if he was like Gordon Hayward and he broke a bone in his hand and he needed to sit out for a month and then he would come back and be healthy. Like tendonitis is the kind of thing where maybe the rest makes it better or maybe he comes back and it flares up again and he has to miss more time. Yeah, look, the, the difference between replacement level and average, I think, is bigger than the difference between average and above average. Totally, and totally. Right now, they might be working with replacement level uh, at their backup point guard spot, which is just it's untenable. Well, you it's know, where their they starters were last played. Except now, instead of Reggie Jackson, Ish Smith is the starter. Like that's right. You know, and that's their starters great. played more minutes than anybody other anybody else's starters in the league last season. Uh, the most common pick and roll combination in the league, like from the sport view numbers, was Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond uh, by over 200 screens over the next closest yep. pairing. Yep. Uh, and it was one of the most efficient as well, you know, not just in terms of those two guys scoring, but the team scoring. Um, and that's a big problem if they can't get that back because, you know, like we said, it was the basis of their entire offense. Yep. Totally, totally agree. So, so that said, what, so I'm what, still going over. <laughs> <laughs> I am too, just because I'm not backing off of them. But that that is one. Like the Reggie news, it is disappointing because I I was ready to make that you know one of my best bets for sure, and now it's a very tentative over. Um, yeah, same. Indiana, forty three and a half. This one, I have, this is another one I have no idea on. Everybody loves the Pacers this year, and not me. I don't really see it. <laughs> Uh, I think that. they downgraded a lot defensively. Um, I do. I just basically, I just don't think that Jeff Teague is better than George Hill really at anything. Um, <laughs> that that may just be me. Like I'm a big George Hill stan. Uh, I think he's one of the few point guards that are true plus defenders in the league. I think he was a very good fit conceptually next to Monte and Paul George, who have the ball all the time. And he's you know he's a very good spot up shooter that is willing to play off the ball. Um, Jeff Teague is not that, you know, you have Teague and Ellis in the backcourt. You're not going to be good defensively. And whichever of them doesn't have the ball loses a lot of their utility on offense. Um, and, and then you look up and down the roster. I don't see very many plus defenders. You know, it's Paul George, obviously, is a great one. Um, Thaddeus Young in the right matchups is a good one as well. Miles Turner, I expect to be a, a very good defender eventually but eventually doesn't mean now you know right. he made some great defensive plays last year but he certainly was not ready i don't think to anchor a top half of the league defense yet you know maybe right. he makes a big jump this season but if he doesn't make a big jump like if he just makes a slight jump then all of a sudden you're looking at a team that may not be a top 10 defense and i'm not sure that they have enough offense to overcome that i don't even think they're going to be close to a top 10 defense whether he makes a jump or not i mean you know, Paul George is a, a fantastic um, defensive player, one of the best in the league, but who's their next best defender? Right. I said top 10 because that's what they've been every year. On right. The that's, no, that's what I'm saying. I don't think they're going to be close to that. I mean, they, they got yeah. rid of, they got rid of, they, I mean, you know, they go and get Jeff Teague, who, like you said, I agree is a downgrade from, uh, from, from George Hill specifically in, in that, that aspect of his game. Uh, Thaddeus Young is a nice player. He's at best an average defender at forward. You know, they, they went and signed Al Jefferson, which I thought was a nice fit as a backup to Turner, but he's another guy that's not a great defensive player. Um, right. You know, Larry Bird went out and got a lot of guys who can score, and, and other than Jefferson, who I think will anchor the second unit, which was a nice pickup, uh, got a lot of guys so they can play fast because he's decided they want to play smaller and faster. That's fine, right. but they're not going to guard anybody. And frankly, they're another team – I don't know who's going to shoot the ball for them. 
I mean, last year, Jeff Teague made 40% of his threes. He's a career 35% shooter. If he goes back to shooting 35%, which I think seems much more likely, who's stretching the floor for this team? I mean, right. George Hill is a better shooter right. than him. George Hill is a better shooter. There too. Thaddeus, Young's also not, like, Thaddeus Young's not a three-point shooter. Monte's not a three-point shooter. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you're, Turner you've got an, could be. But Turner could be, but you're, he's not going to be that now. So this is another right. team that's going to be jacking up mid-range shots left and right, which isn't which isn't the basis of an efficient offense. It's also Nate McMillan has this reputation as a good defensive coach because um, his teams in Portland did not allow a lot of points per game. They also were among the slowest teams in the league. That's why they didn't allow a lot of points. Like they were average or worse defensively. You know that it was not like he was coaching some top five, top ten offense uh, defense every season. Um, if if the bones of that defense aren't there, which I don't think they are then I think they're going to struggle to stop teams from scoring other than with Paul George being amazing. Right, right. I mean, that's, that's just a lot. And, I, and I, Paul George, my 10th best player in the league, I think he's fantastic. That's just a lot. It's a lot to put on, uh, it's a lot to put on one guy. So what, or what, in the end, what are you going with? Yeah, I'm going under here pretty solidly, I think. I think they're around 39-40 wins. Yeah, me too. I had them as the seventh seed in the East. I think you know. I think they. I think they could get in the playoffs with 40, 41, 42 wins. But I'm not. I'm not as in love with this team as as everybody else is for sure. Frankly, I would have definitely had to miss the playoffs if I could find a team or two lower that I liked more. But just a lot of these teams in that you know seven to twelve range in the East. That's just there's not a lot to choose from really. Um, yeah, you could find a lot wrong with a lot of those teams. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Uh, one of those teams, actually two of them coming, actually I should say three of them coming up in a row here in the East, starting with, uh, with the Miami Heat, uh, who had a lot happen to them over the summer, losing Dwayne Wade, losing Chris Bosh, uh, you know, kind of resetting the franchise. You know, what, what, do you, what, do you take on, uh, what do you take on them? Yeah, Pat Riley's going to tank. <laughs> They're going to come out and there's be... already talks about There's already talks about dealing Goran Dragic. Yep. Uh, I could definitely see that happening a couple months into the season or even earlier if they if they don't come out hot right away. Um, we're not going to see Chris Bosh ever again in a Heat uniform. Uh, Wade still was such a big part of what they did offensively, and it, I know that everybody loves Josh Richardson. I'm not necessarily sure he's ready, he's ready to uh, to take on that big of a role uh, that they're going to be counting on him for, and like. I love Justice Winslow. He was my favorite player coming into the draft last season other than Towns. I think he's going to be really good. I don't think he's ready to carry a team yet either. Um, uh, This is, again, downside potential here is huge, and I don't think that Riley will be afraid at all to blow things up if even a hint of that downside shows itself early in the season. This is one of Um, my best. Solidly under here. Yeah, this is one of my best bets for sure. Um, I think Dragic could get traded. Even if Dragic doesn't get traded, I think he's going to be very good for them this year, and I, I think Whiteside could be good again too. The rest of their team stinks. I mean, I'm with you on Winslow. I, I like him a lot, and I like Richardson too. They they just have a bench of just terrible players. And yeah, it's it's again, it's it's not a deep team, which I think is more important in the regular season than the postseason. Right. Um, I mean, they're going to be a team that, for large stretches of the game, is going to throw out two or three negative players on yep. the floor. You're, if you're picking the over here, you're thinking that Goran Dragic can get back to what he was in Phoenix, that Whiteside takes another step, that Winslow gets better, that Richardson gets better, and you're betting on Spolstra, who's a great coach. But that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of things that you've got to have go, <laughs> got to go in one direction for them to get to 37. Um, exactly. And, you and you're also ignoring the fact that Whiteside is already 
27 and turning 28. It's not like, you know, I yes. know he just came into being People a think real he's player a couple years ago. But he's not. Right. He's it's, it seems somewhat unlikely that he has a lot more room to grow. Right. This is and he's a good player now and this is what he is, but it's hard to think he's going to like you said take another step and become yeah. become something more than he is. All right. Uh so we're both under on that. Uh the Milwaukee Bucks uh this number um this number, I think, is was a little higher when this came out because it was uh, from a couple months ago. So I'm going to adjust it a little bit. And I'm going to say 36 and a half also with them instead of the 39 and a half it was before to take into account the uh, the Chris Middleton injury. Yeah, I I definitely would have been over if Middleton did not get hurt, and I think I'm still over even without him wow. because of Dark Giannis as our friend Jason Concepcion likes to call him, is embraced his inner villain for some reason. I don't, I don't know why he does that. <laughs> I was trying to figure out where um, I was trying to figure out what that what that meant. I didn't know if I didn't know if we we're gonna have to maybe delete anything from the podcast. I didn't know what no, no, no. <laughs> it's it's something about his inner villainy or something like that. I don't know. I just like it. Um yeah, I mean I think that the point Giannis thing kind of works and I think especially it works uh if they pair him with like Delavadova guarding point guards because he's not a guy who's so dynamic off the dribble that he's going to be like a real pick and roll point guard, but he is a pretty good shooter, especially off the catch. And uh, he's just an annoying little mat defensively, uh, which basically is kind of all he's going to need to do. Like basically be a three and D point guard with Giannis running the offense. And, and I just think the two of them. Um, you know, Jabari out there as well. You know, their three-man rotation basically at center. I, f- I feel like they could be somewhat interesting. You know, I don't, I don't think they're going to get into the mid-40s or anything, but I think they could be high 30s. I feel like they could be somewhat interesting. What a, what a sales pitch for the Milwaukee yeah, Bucks. Yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks. I feel like they could be somewhat interesting. <laughs> so um, put that if, on a t-shirt if Middleton was there, it would be much better. I, like, I know you I know you're worried about the shooting. I am too, but I think that Giannis Jabari – the three-man center rotation and Della Vadova um, is enough to keep them like basically just like in the mix, which is all you really need yeah. to get into the high 30s. Here's the thing that I, I'm the most concerned about. Yes, the shooting hurts a lot. Middleton is one of their, I think, two best players. So I think it's him and Giannis. They now don't mm-hmm. have him for the season. And that there's nobody behind him. I mean, that's the bigger thing. It's like this is another situation where not only do you lose a really good player – you go from not having a really good player to having nothing. I mean, they might start Tony Snell next week. Like, they got Tony Snell two days ago off the scrap heap from Chicago. They could start Michael Beasley. Like, these are their – Rashad Vaughn. Like, these are their options to play shooting guard. You know, it, it's just – Are you telling me you're not in on the Rashad Vaughn experience? No, well, <laughs> no. I mean – I have no idea if I'm in on the Rashad Vaughn Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe he uh-huh. winds up being good, but he was terrible last year, and it's uh, – it's just not. It's just not. I just don't see it working out there. Now, look, Giannis could. Gian, if Jabari takes a leap and Jabari and Giannis makes a leap, sure, I, I could be wrong here because those guys have the potential to lift this team to another level. I mean, there's no question about that. I just think there's not enough around them. You know, they still have the Greg Monroe problem. I think that's going to be an issue as the season goes on because nobody's happy that he's still there, including both sides. Like, everybody wanted a clean break there and it hasn't happened yet. Um, it, it, uh, it, I, I, just don't, I just don't see it working out where they're going to wind up being over. Yeah, I think what they need to do 
is what the Nets did when Jason Kidd was coaching them a couple of years ago. They need to get weird. Uh, well, I know, I know that, there. I know that's what they're doing. I mean, from talking yeah. to people inside there, I mean, they're trying to come up with all kinds of weird stuff to try to mitigate yeah. losing Middleton. I'm all about getting weird. Like, I think if you get weird, teams get confused because nobody likes to get weird. Uh, I think that's why a lot of small ball stuff has worked. Why the switching uh, has worked a lot over the last couple of years because it's not what teams are used to. Like, at, at a certain point, teams will adjust. But I think if you get weird for a season, it could work. Like when Phoenix got weird a few years ago, started playing two point guards all the time, it worked for a year, and then it didn't work. Uh, I think that year number one of the weirdness for the Bucks can work. Good. Good. I, I, I would cer- it would certainly be fun to be wrong about that. So I, I'm, hope, I'm hoping that it is because, it, you know, it, it'd, be, it'd be, fun, be fun to have a young team like that surprise people. Um, all right. Next up, team close to your heart. Close to the city I'm most fond of, even though I'm not there anymore. The New York Knicks, over-under of 38 and a half. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard, but people are saying that the Knicks and the Warriors are the two super teams. Super teams. Year. Yeah. Um, that's that's a thing that I heard from uh, many, many, many people. Yes. That yes. The Knicks and the Warriors are the two super your teams. Best, your, best, uh, um, your best Donald Trump impression, another New Yorker. Uh, it was my best Derek Rose. Well, no, I meant the many people part. The many people are saying. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, one, yeah, of, yeah, that's yeah. one of Donald's that's favorite it. phrases. Many people well, are saying. <laughs> many people are certainly saying a lot of things these days. Yes, they are. Uh, yeah, the, that goes for both Derek Rose and Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not going to touch that one. No, I'm um, not either. Like, that's, which we're just would going differentiate to me from Mr. Trump. I'm not going to touch that yeah, one. We're going we're um, to move on from all this now. Yeah. Uh, so the Knicks, this is something I've said throughout basically the entire summer. They're the highest variance team in the league to me. They've made so many bets that could flip one way or the other and hit and hit big or miss and miss big. And it seems like people have divided themselves into two camps about the team where they either think all these bets are going to hit and they're going to win in the high 40s to 50 games or they think none of these bets are going to hit and they're going to be like in the low 30s again. To me, it seems like the most likely scenario is that some of them hit, some of them whiff, and some of them are sort of like either way, and they wind up in like the high 30s, low 40s. Um, I think that they'll wind up going over this by a couple games, but I also think that the under is the safer bet because it's always best to bet against the Knicks knowing what they're doing. (laughs) Well, I'm taking the under. Uh I've I've been very on the record about my feelings on the Knicks. Uh, it, to me, the Knicks are another team where if if their starting lineup works out and is healthy, you're right. They, like the upside is there that maybe you know if Derrick Rose becomes more of the player he was five years ago instead of the last couple, or um, or if Joe Kim Noah gets back to the way he was a couple years ago, um, then perhaps. Uh, then perhaps they can get to that that number. The problem for me is this is another team that they, they have no depth. I mean, they're a lot like Miami to me, where they've got two guys that I know are good in Porzingis and, and Carmelo, and then they've got a couple guys that, if they're healthy, could be good, but they don't have any depth. So, like, you know, if, if, Der- if Joakim Noah is hurt and De- or Derrick Rose is hurt, I mean, they do have Brandon Jennings, who I actually think is going to be better than Derrick Rose this year, but – I just, I just don't think they have enough depth to be a good team, even if, um, 
even if the uh, even if even if some of those things do work out. So I, I am taking the under. I do think they're going to end up with somewhere between thirty and thirty-five wins. That's that's kind yeah, of my I, take. On I it. think the main thing with them is it does not take a lot of convincing to talk yourself into the under. It's basically just everybody plays how they've been playing the last few years. Yes. And you got to talk yourself into Rose being the player he was four years ago, Noah being the player he was four years ago, Carmelo, uh, his shooting bouncing back, and him staying healthy. Well, Car- oh, and Rose and, and Noah. Need let's to just stay say healthy. this too, right? Carmelo didn't look that great in the Olympics. Like, Carmelo looked kind of old in the Olympics. I am a little concerned that in his 30, age 32 season, after some pretty serious knee injuries, you know, a couple of years ago, if Carmelo maybe starts going the other way, if that happens, then they're in real trouble. Well, yeah. I mean, anybody's best player not being as good as you think they are or should be, um, that's going to put that team in real trouble. Um, the, the, the main thing to me, like, if the argument for the over starts with if these guys can get back to what they used to be, you're already taking the wrong side of the of the bet if you want to be safe. Right, right. No, I think that I think that's fair. All right. Another weird team, the Orlando Magic, 36 and a mm-hmm. half. This might be the weirdest team in the league. They are like uh, th- this uh, this is what everybody who are in the NBA that I talked to this summer said about the Orlando Magic. What the hell are they doing? <laughs> I have so no idea person, what's going on here. So every single person in the league said, nobody has any clue what they're doing in Orlando. They have like three different teams on the same team. Like they have the young guy team with Peyton and Fournier and Gordon. And then they have like the old front line, not old, but like old er, like veterany with Ibaka and Biombo. But then like Vucevic is on a completely different team. Um, I, I don't know what they're doing. Like I could see when they play uh, Peyton and Ibaka and Biombo all together, then you have the makings of like a Vogley kind of defensive team. Right. Um, and, and Gordon too, who can defend basically all over the court. But, you know, you play all those guys together, you're scoring like 17 points a game. Um, and, and, you know, our, our buddy Zach Lowe, who everybody knows, I'm sure, has written about how they're going to try to turn Gordon into like a, a three like Paul George. And I'm not sure he's ready for that yet, particularly with like playmaking for anyone other than himself. Playmaking um, and shooting. Right. And there's there's too much that needs to all click into place at the same time here for me to feel comfortable with the over even if the talent level is probably better than 36 wins it's just right. the talent doesn't fit at all i'm going to take the over just because i think they're going to be somewhere between 37 and 40 i think they're probably going to be the first team out of the playoffs and i think they're young enough that they're probably going to be relatively healthy which i think will help them um, and I do like Frank Vogel a lot. I think he's a very good coach. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, they they have this roster that just – it's just this mishmash of players, another team with just nobody that can shoot the ball. I mean, you know, for, Evan Fournier is a good shooter, but Alfred Payton can't shoot at all. Gordon's not a good shooter. You know, Serge Ibaka can stretch the floor, but he shot like 32% last year from three. He's not exactly a threat. Uh, Biombo can't catch the ball hardly outside of the basket area. So – uh, um, you know, Nick Vucevic is a is kind of a one-word player in the opposite sense. It's just an incredibly weird team. Um, still don't understand why they traded Tobias Harris for nothing last year. 
to then sign Jeff Green to a one-year contract for the same amount of money. Uh, the Jeff Green experience, my favorite experience in the league. Who's going to trade a first-round pick for Jeff Green this year? Who's it going to be? Uh, I don't – yeah, I don't – I think that ship has sailed. Uh, Somebody's going to do it. Somebody does it every year. I know. I can't yeah. believe that five teams or whatever it is have talked themselves into thinking Jeff Green is the answer. This is like my, my Rorschach test for, for NBA executives. Like if you think that Jeff Green is the solution to your problems – I'm not sure you really know what you're doing. Um, he has this reputation as a versatile player, um, but to me, he's sort of the classic definition of a tweener. Like, there's a difference between a tweener and a combo forward. A combo forward can play the three and play the four. A tweener can't play either. And Jeff Green is a tweener. Yep. Couldn't agree more. All right, no more time being spent on them. Uh the Philadelphia 76ers, another team of dropping the number sum from where it was because of uh, the injury to Ben Simmons. Uh, over under, like the Nets, of 21 and a half. Oh, that's way lower than what I had. So they were one of my bets um, when we did to, it to with my under. roommates. I would have I would, yeah. have I would have, had the best bet of them under. They were 27 and a half before yes. training camp started, which frankly is insane. I would have. Right. I mean, that, that's why I dropped it because I, I don't know what the new number is. I can't find one. Uh, the numbers I have from a few weeks ago, and I it, this is the range it should have been in anyway. Yeah, I had them at under twenty seven and a half. That was one of my bets. Um, there's, I know that the talent level is better than it was the last few years, but it's still a lot of not really NBA level talent floating around the roster. And the NBA ta- um, talent it has all plays the same positions. Right. Exactly. Like their their guard play will probably be the worst in the league. Like they're starting most likely. Jared Bayless and Gerald Henderson in the backcourt, like with some TJ McConnell splashed in there. Um, that's not a recipe for good backcourt play yet. Um, obviously, there's talent. Nerland, Embiid, Okafor, Saric, uh, you know, whenever Simmons comes back. Yep. But there are questions over how you can get all those guys onto the court. There are questions about health for a few of them, uh, you know, Nerland and Embiid especially. Uh, I'll still take the under. Uh, you know, high teens wins, I guess. That's what I'm thinking, too. I think they're going to be the worst team in the league or second worst to the Lakers. Um, and I, I think they're going to be I think they're going to be in the teens. And, you know, I I think Joel Embiid was going to be the rookie of the year if he stays healthy. I think he's going to be great. Um, I think, uh, you know, I really like a lot of their young players. I think Sarge could be good. I think Ben Simmons is going to be really good. I, I actually still like Joel Okafer. I think he's become very underrated. Uh you know, just because he doesn't necessarily fit the within the box that um, that a lot of people think they need centers to fit in now. So, uh, you know, we'll see we'll see what happens there. But I, I I'm with you. I'm going on the under there. Do we even know if Embiid can play like 30 minutes a night yet? Well, or that's back to back games yeah, or I mean, anything. I mean, he's. It sounds like he's going to play back to back games. I mean, I, I'm I'm just picking him to win to be rookie of the year this year because I just am not. I I, I think this rookie class is going to take some time. I think last year kind of spoiled us in how good those rookies were right away, and I think we're going to remember yeah. that rookies gen- tend to stink early on. And, right. and Embiid That's is one of the better great. rookie classes in a long time. Like, oh, it's, it doesn't it's, make sense to me that right now the, the rookie of the year favorite is a backup point guard. Uh, it's kind of weird, but we'll talk about Chris, that when we get to Minnesota. Oh, yeah. that See, I'm, I'm a, I thought Chris Dunn was the number two player in the draft, but, I mean, it's uh, – it, yeah, it's – yeah. Well, we all I, know I how much his that. coach loves playing rookies, so he's <laughs> definitely going to play a lot. Yes, yes. I, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that for now. Uh, 
Let's see. We've got all right. So we've got two more teams in the East. Uh, the Toronto Raptors, forty nine and a half. This is. I don't think we need to go too in depth. This is an over. Like this team did not get seven wins worse over the offseason. Nope, it's a lock for me. I think they're going to be the number one team in the East. Uh, I think that's that's one of my best bets. I don't quite get why. I don't quite get why the number dropped. They they should be better, or they should be the same or better from last year. So, I uh, I, I I'm with you with that on a hundred percent. And then finally, the Washington Wizards at forty two and a half. Yeah, this is tough too. I feel like they're going to win forty two games. Like I feel like that's the number they're going to be at. Um, they were disappointing last season, and they're disappointing last year. They won forty one games. Right, but it's also where I'm going next. Like. I don't know if Bradley Beal is going to be healthy, like, ever. Right. And if he's not, then they're a, you know, low 40s win team. I feel like that that number, it's too good. Like, you can't make me choose between 41 and 43 wins because they're going to win 42. Yep. Yep. I I think that – I think that the Wizards are going to go over. Uh, They're another team where – they, they obviously came very close to getting out Horford. That would have been huge for them. But when they didn't get him, I thought they did a nice job of filling out their bench. Is there another team that really struggled when their starters weren't in last year? Mm. And now they've got solid depth um, across the across Although the whole. Mahimi is out, what, four to six weeks? Yeah, I know he's out for a few weeks. But I, I still think, you know, they've, they've still got, like Jason Smith is at least an NBA player. He's not great, but he gives them a little more stretch on the floor. I think Andrew Nicholson is a nice backup forward for them. I like their young. I thought getting Trey Burke for nothing was a, a nice move for them as a backup point guard. I think Thomas Sadaransky is going to be a fun player. Um, Kelly Oubre Jr. has looked pretty good. He looked pretty good in summer league. He's looked pretty good during training camp. So I, I, I don't think they're going to win 50, but I, I do think they're going to be better. And, and some of this is a bet that at some point Bradley Beal is going to have a healthy season. You know, maybe he just never does, and he becomes completely becomes the next Eric Gordon. But, but I think that's how it'll play out. All right, you talked me into it. I'm going with the overall. Wow, betting on the fighting, the fighting John Walls. There you go. Well, John Mm -hmm. Walls. John Walls is so good. So good. And that the other night, do you know what? You know what convinced me to go over here? The other night when he played the Knicks and had three dunks in the first half. I think it was last week. That that kind of allayed a lot of my concerns about his knees because you know when he when you say you have surgery on both knees, gets a little concerning. Um, so the fact that, uh, the fact that he came out and, and looked good, um, the fact that he looked good in that game, uh, made me feel a lot better. Um, made me feel a lot better about that. So, um, all right. So let's, let's, uh, let's hip hop over to the Western conference and plow through these quick. Um, Dallas Mavericks over under 39 and a half. I, I am going to regret this because I'm going against a guaranteed formula of Dirk and the Warlock Wizard genius Rick Carlisle. <laughs> but I don't see 40 wins from the rest of this roster here. It's probably the slowest team in the league, and they don't really have much in the way of like dribbling. Like I, I know Carlisle can scheme the hell out of open shots, but at a certain point, you need to be able to like break guys down off the dribble in order to get somebody open. And there really is not much of that at all anywhere on the roster. Uh, couple that with the fact that I don't exactly see an elite defense coming out of these guys either. Um, you know, they have they have Bogut and West who should be good defensively. And I think Barnes is a little bit underrated defensively as well. But it's not like any of them are anchoring a defense on their own. And you, you look off the bench, there's not necessarily uh, great defenders coming out of the woodwork there either. Um, it, this feels like the year that it finally all falls apart there. 
Yeah, no, no, I, I agree with you on that, but I, I'm going to take the over. Um, oh, so you don't agree with me at all? Well, no, <laughs> I shouldn't. I should say I agree. I, I, I think that's a sound assessment uh, of the team, but I, I still am going to take the over. Um, I think Andrew Bogut is going to be a monster this season. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Dallas in the preseason, but Bogut looks amazing. Uh, not coincidentally, he's going to be in a contract year this year. Uh, I think he's motivated after being traded. Uh, he, he's a phenomenal passer, one of the best passing bigs in the league. Uh, I, Dallas looks like they're going to have a lot of dribble handoffs at the top of the key. You have the ball in his hands a lot. Um, so I think, I think he's just going to have a great year. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think that I'm, I'm basically betting on the Dirk Carlisle combo to get them to 40 wins. You know, I, I think they're going to be right around this number. I think they pr- probably finish ninth and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the slight, slight over. So, yeah. But I, I that's another see it team, happening. That's another I don't team necessarily where I think it's the most likely thing. Yeah, that's another team where your um, your kind of way of looking at it is, you know, what side, you know, what's the more what needs to happen more for it to work out this way? The the under has a lot more ways to happen. I'm just kind of I, I don't know. I have a feeling about Dallas, so I'm I'm going with the over. But I'm that's one of my least confident ones. The Denver Look, Nuggets. I'll, no, go ahead. I'll absolutely enjoy the hell out of like 19 times a game. Bogut in the high post and Dirk getting a pin oh, down from a guard. Be, it's going to be so like, good. They're going to do a yeah. lot of creative stuff with that. It's going to be fun. Uh, Denver Nuggets, uh, 34 and a half. Yeah, I think that this is sort of like a, a poor man's version of the Celtics kind of thing, where they just don't have very many bad players. They won 33 last year, and I feel like they should all, almost all of their guys, if you project even a little bit of improvement, should be a little bit better. And barring them deciding like midseason that they're going to trade like Gallo and Fareed and Chandler, I feel like the over is the better bet, but not like a huge. It's not like they're going to win in the mid forties. They'll just be like high thirties or so. Yep, that, I'm with you. I'm with you across the board. I'm uh, no, I don't even feel the need to add much. Uh, they got a lot of good young players. They also get better. They almost hit this number last year. I think they'll hit it again. So the, the Nurkic Jokic front line will be a delight as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see if they can play together. Um, a lot of people don't think they can. Uh, I think they should try it a lot this year and see if it'll work because um, it'd be nice if it could. Uh, but they got a lot of fun young players. They're, they're going to be a fun – they're going to be a weird league pass team, a uh, weird pick for a league pass team maybe for people, but it's, they're going to be fun. Um, all right, Golden State Warriors, 66 and a half. This basically comes down to do you think the Warriors are going to try to win 67 games or not because – otherwise I think it's hard to make an argument that they're not going to. Yeah, I think they might do it by accident. Like, I, I think they might not try to win 67, 70 games, and they might just do it anyway. I agree with you. I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to win somewhere between 67 and 70 uh, almost by default. Um, they know, have some good players. They have some good, they have some good players. They have some good players. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've talked about them enough here, so I don't think we need to go into too much more detail than that, but I, I don't feel great about it cause I could see them taking their foot off the gas, but I'm, you know, again, this is one where yeah. oh, things have to happen for them not to get the over. Right. I don't think they really need to have their foot on the gas. To and they, win might not, the and they might not. That's the other reason I think they might not even need to, to get to 67. Yeah. The Houston Rockets, 41 and a half. This was one of my bets with my roommates. I have them at the over. Me too. Best they bet. won. This is one of my best bets as well, uh, one of the five that I picked. They won 41 games last year with a defense that was an abomination. Um, I know that there's potential for it to get worse with like Ryan Anderson being heavily involved, but 
all they have to do is not be atrocious. Like if they're just run of the mill below average or even just bad and not terrible, mm-hmm. I think that the offense is going to be so high powered that they should get into the mid forties. Yeah, like they could e- they could potentially be the number one offense if Golden State like if their backups that are in it for every fourth quarter play like the backups did last year. Right. Then Houston could wind up with the number one I, offense yeah, for the season. I think my bold prediction was uh, I think my bold prediction was Houston finishing with the second offense, just as in the non the non Warriors category. Um, but yeah, they're going to be. I mean, they they played that game against the Knicks earlier this preseason. They had 130 mm-hmm. and like, I mean, they they I yeah. think they could hit 130 a lot this season. I mean, they could just score es- a million points. Especially if they wind up starting Gordon instead of Beverly. Well, it sounds um, like Beverly's going to be out for some time with some with a knee injury. So. Oh, right. He yeah. So, so I would imagine they are going to do that. Yeah. So I mean, then it's just then it's just like all right, we're yeah. we're going to try to score 135 a game, and they they might actually do it. Yeah, and they might have to do it, but um, I think that that offense is going to be so good that it'll over like as long as the defense isn't bottom five in the league, then they're going to score enough, I think, to get into the mid 40s or so. Yep. Clippers, 53 and a half. Uh, this was another one of my best bets. Uh, the Clippers over 53 and a half wins. Uh, if you look at this version of the Clippers over, you know, basically like since Chris Paul has been there, they've averaged, I think, like 55 or so wins per full season, if I'm remembering correctly. Um they won 53 last year with Blake missing like almost half the year. Uh, as long as that doesn't happen again, I feel pretty safe about them going into the mid-50s, 55, 56 wins. Yep, I'm with you on there. If they're one of my best bets, uh, not I, they might only beat it by a couple games. But, you know, a, a part of this is that I think they're going to have 10 to 12 really easy games in their division with Phoenix, the, the Lakers, and the, uh, and the Kings. And like you said, when those three guys are out there, they're one of the five best teams in the league. They have been for a while. So that should get them to 55 wins. They've averaged 54 and a half wins per 82 games uh, since Chris Paul got there. Yep. Um, no need. No, last no last year was now. the lowest. Last year was the lowest with 53. Um, or or the, the lowest since they added Redick to the trio. Uh, I think that they're going to be solidly in the mid 50s. Yep. We're, we're in agreement. The Los Angeles Lakers, 24 and a half. Under. <laughs> I, too, am going the under. Why? Uh, because your coach and your point guard having a good relationship doesn't magically make you a better team. <laughs> but I thought Byron Scott was every, was the, was every problem. Look, Byron but the Scott, Byron Scott was, wasn't a lot of problems. But he there's a difference between problem. being a problem and being the problem. <laughs> Byron Scott was a problem the last right. few years. He was not necessarily the problem, which right. is that it's an under-talented roster that is not and will not be good defensively. Um, and the, the talent that they have offensively isn't quite mature enough yet to overshadow the fact that they're not going to be able to stop anybody again. Yes, couldn't couldn't agree more. I'm also going the under. Uh, I think D'Angelo Russell is going to have a great year. I think he might average 20 a game. Still yeah. don't think there's a lot of talent on this team. I uh, think the young guys need some time to grow. I think Luke Walton, frankly, needs some time to learn how to coach the team. Still, uh, you know that that Warrior team was kind of on autopilot last year. It's not a knock on him. He did a great job, but you know it's a lot different when you're running your whole whole show and not you know kind of filling in for somebody. So 
Um, I, I think the Lakers finally did some things to start moving in the right direction, which is good, but I think it's going to take some more time before they're actually there. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there that's going to turn into something good. You know, D'Angelo, I think, is going to be really, really good. He was one of my favorite players in the draft also. Yep. Um, Brandon Ingram is going to be really good eventually also. I'm not quite as big on Julius Randle as some other people are, but I think he should be a good contributor for them at least. And Larry Nance is interesting, and Clarkson is pretty good. Um, these guys are their best players, though, and yep. that's a problem. That's a problem. Memphis Grizzlies, over-under of 43-and-a-half. They won 42 last year while basically, I don't know what the word for it is, like they just they fell apart at the scene. Falling, because falling everybody, apart is a good way to put it. <laughs> everybody on the team got hurt. I think at a certain point, John Hollinger was starting at point guard. Um Obviously, they've, they've changed coaches. They've changed the makeup of the team. They're not going to start Zach Randolph. They brought in Chandler Parsons, who, like, who knows if he's going to be healthy. Uh, I think that if Parsons and Mark and Conley are all healthy, this is an easy over. But that is a big-time question mark. I'm taking the over just because the upside is there. But I am terrified about the, the Grizzlies. And my bold predictions column the other day. I had the Thunder missing the playoffs. I went back and forth about 10 times on picking the Grizzlies to miss the playoffs instead of the Thunder. I wound up going with the Thunder instead, but I, I think Memphis could be, I wound up being the eighth seed, and I, I just have massive concerns um, about their health. Uh, right. You know, if everybody stays healthy, they could climb into the middle of the conference. They could finish, third, they could finish fourth easily. Yeah. I, mean, I think if they're healthy, they, have the, they probably have the third. They might have the third best starting lineup in the West. You know, behind the, the Clippers and the uh, and the, the Warriors. I mean, they're, they're starting five. If healthy is really good, but the if healthy is a huge problem. You know, I mean, Chandler Parsons still isn't healthy from a surgery. It's supposed to be a six-week surgery six months ago. So, right. you know, it, there's a lot There's a lot of concerns there. So so we'll see how it goes. The New Orleans I'm excited Pel- for oh, the, uh, the, J. Mike, the J. Mike Green experience, though. Yes, that will be fun. That will be that will be fun, and I thought that was a good move by by David Fisdale to have to have Zach come off the bench. Zach Randolph will be, yeah. I think, a really nice piece for them off the bench. Um, another and guy. Fisdale is a good coach too. I, I like Fisdale a lot. Players love him. Players throughout the league have huge respect for him. I I, I think he he's a smart guy. He gets it. I, I think he's going to be really good. I like that hire a lot. Um, the New Orleans Pelicans, thirty six and a half. I think you have to go under with the uncertainty around uh, if or when Drew Holiday would play. Yep. Um, obviously, an incredibly unfortunate situation. Yeah, terrible situation. And it's so much more important that his wife and his child are healthy and able to live long lives with him than it is that the Pelicans win games. Uh, but with, with without knowing anything about if or when he'll come back, um, you can't expect too much from this team, especially considering everybody else they have around Anthony Davis. And like, look, I know his extension starts this, like this year, I think, but start the clock uh, right now. This team, I don't know how you draft a once in a generation player like that and not turn it into a consistent playoff team that there's no question about every year. Um, the way they surrounded him and the way they squandered um, basically every single draft pick since drafting him like who had the, is one guy that they drafted even still on the team after anthony davis they they traded no um austin no, rivers it's been, they, a, they, it's been a disaster it's been a they disaster. traded the picks for holiday so i guess holiday is still like counts as sort of their draft pick but have they even made their own like they haven't made their own pick since then right 
Yeah, no, they, they've they've traded away picks. They've made terrible picks. Um, they they've just done a horrible job of building that team around Anthony Davis. Um, yeah, you know now. I mean, to me, this is an easy. I mean, I, to me, this is an under because this this team has only a few NBA players on it, and it's it's kind of embarrassing. I mean, they they should have a lot. They're more spending depth than like they do. they're spending like I don't know fifty million dollars on centers, and Anthony Davis is the center. Yeah. Like. It's just terrible roster management all the way around. And, and unfortunately for Pelicans fans, the ownership of the team only worry, is worried about the Saints. So, I mean, it's just yeah. it's a really just a very dysfunctional organization, and I, I just don't see that changing. So I'm, I'm going with the under, and if Anthony Davis is a superhuman and I'm wrong, then I'll be happy because I don't mean Anthony Davis is healthy again and good. Right. And I even like some of the guys that they signed over the summer. Like, Etuan Moore is a pretty good player. Langston Galloway is a pretty good player. Solomon Hill is a pretty good player. Even, like, they plucked Terrence Jones away for free. Like he's a player who was very good two years ago and basically disappeared from the face of the earth last season. But these are all guys who are interesting bench players or Jones, potentially a starter level player. Um, and after Davis, they seem like they might be like the most reliable guys on the team. Like who else in this team can you rely on to do the things that you're counting on them to do, especially with, with Tyreek hurt and Pondexter hurt. Like who, who knows what's going to be happening with any of these guys. Yep. Agreed. Oklahoma City, 45 and a half. Yeah, this feels like a slight under to me, like the low 40s. Um, I like a lot of the guys they have there still. Um, I am one of the bigger Victor Oladipo fans in the league, and I think that watching him and Russ uh, just go flying all over the court together is going to be one of the best things to watch in the entire league. Uh, Steven Adams, Andre Robertson, uh, I thought, took a big step forward last season um, to me. And I know you have questions about the shooting. The questions to me are bigger on defense. Um, yep. They lost probably. I wouldn't disagree with that. <laughs> they probably lost their two best defensive players. And this was a team that was a borderline um, top half of the league defense last season. Yeah, even if, you, even if you want to say Steven Adams is better than Durant because he's more consistently good, which I think is fair, they still lost two of their best three. Yeah, um, I, I don't know that they can build a top half of the league defense out of this team. And if they don't have that, all of a sudden they need a top five or so offense to get into the mid-40s, high-40s. And they're not going to do that if nobody can shoot. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, I think this is a lock under. Uh, you know, I, I picked them to make miss the playoffs, obviously, standing by that. Um, the shooting is a huge problem, and I'm with you. The biggest reason why I went from thinking Westbrook could be an MVP candidate to not having to make the playoffs is because I watched them play without Steven Adams for two or three games this preseason, and they couldn't stop anybody. Yep. I mean, you mentioned Dallas earlier. J.J. Barea and Darren Williams were going by Russell Westbrook and Victor Oladipo without a thought, and Ennis Canter as the center on your team with no Steven Adams is a disaster. I yeah, mean, I think that the way that they have to play defense is just – be the most aggressive team in the league. Like they're basically at this point, a team full of like super athletes between Russ and Oladipo and Robertson is a really smooth athlete. And Adams can fly around the floor. They need to just dial up the aggression all the way to like 15 all game every night in order to force turnovers. Like getting a turnover should be their goal on like every defensive possession. And if it turns into, you know, an open 20 footer or whatever, you live with it because you got great rebounding and you know it's it's okay if guys step into 
mid-range jumpers on you on every possession because you got to get out and transition to be able to get your offense early before they're set also and yep. take advantage of the fact that you have the most athletic backcourt in the league. Yep. Uh, if, if they can force a ton of turnovers, then maybe they can be an average-ish defense, um, and, and that would obviously bode much better for them. Uh, to me, I don't necessarily know if they'll be able to force enough turnovers, so I feel like it's a, it's a low 40s, and they're you know somewhere between like the 7 and 9 seed. Yep. I, I agree with all that. You know, I, I think that, you know, I think that they, uh, I, I just, I just don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think their, their concerns are just, they're just too big. And if, and if they lose either Westbrook or Adams for any length of time, they're going to be awful. Like both yeah. of those guys have to play 80 games for them to have a chance. And that's, right. and the Russ MVP stuff, um, I think it's well known on the internet that nobody loves Westbrook more than I do. <laughs> this is um, true. Let Westbrook be Westbrook. I, I started Let Westbrook Be Westbrook five years ago. Um, I've said that he throws 11 different kinds of smoke. Um, he <laughs> is not winning MVP. Like, it, it's not happening. There have been, in the last 33 seasons, 31 of the MVPs have come from one or two seeds in their conference. Yep. And the other two MVPs came from three seeds, and one of those was during a lockout. Season. I think if they can, if they can, if they win their division, which means they're around 50 wins, I think the narrative will be strong enough that he has a chance. But they have to win close to 50 games. Isn't and San I, Antonio in their division? They're not winning that division. No, 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 they're not. They're in the they're in the Northwest Division. <laughs> oh, right, they're, they're in the Northwest they're, they're, for some they're, reason. They're they're in the division with well, because they were in Seattle. Remember, <laughs> that's right. why. Oh, right. So it's oh, Portland, Portland. I'm sorry, Sonics fans. Portland. Uh, it's Portland, uh, Oklahoma City, Minnesota. Oh, Utah's uh, winning that division. Well, I don't. I think Minnesota is, but regardless. Oh. Regardless. Okay, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we can talk about that. Regardless, though, like if they win that division and they are around 50 wins, I think Westbrook will have a chance. But I, I just sure. can't, after watching them play, I can't construct the argument that they're going to get to 50 wins. Yeah, I think that the MVP will wind up coming uh, the best player on the second place team in the East or West because LeBron and Kyrie are going to split votes and Steph and KD are going to yeah, split I votes. I think this I think this sets up very nicely for a Kawhi Leonard MVP. I'd, Kawhi I'd, Leonard, I'd, Blake Griffin. Yeah, I had my I had my awards ballot the other day come out and I picked I picked Kawhi and I think um we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to that with San Antonio in a minute. All right, so we'll right. we'll try to wrap through, run through these final few quick. Uh Phoenix Suns 26 and a half. We skipped Minnesota. We did. Nope, you're right. We did skip Minnesota. Let, I, I wrote them in later. Let's do them now, since we just talked about Minnesota. Uh, 41 and a half. Uh, that's a, obviously a best bet for me. I'm on the record saying I think they're going to win 50, so I'm, I'm taking the over. You have said, people who listen to me know my feelings on Minnesota, though. You wrote a very good piece the other day about Minnesota and, and your yep. thoughts on them. If you could, you know, tell the listeners, A, where they can find it, because they should go read it, and B, you know, kind of sum up your thoughts on on the Timberwolves this year. Okay, yeah. Um, so it's at Vice Sports. Uh, if you go to my Twitter on Dubin 5 you can find the link there. Or if you go to, to Vice, I don't know, just search like Vice Sports Timberwolves or something. I'm sure it'll come up on Google. Um, so basically the reasons boil down to they are incredibly young. Like, so Kevin Pelton from ESPN does minutes projections uh, for every season. And if you wait their age by minutes played. Uh, it's called minutes weighted age. They do that, you know, every year at basketball reference. Uh, it's a, it's a team that's going to average 24.3 years old. Um, and, and this is from directly from the piece uh, over the last five years, 32 teams 
have been younger than 25 years old, and those teams averaged 28.2 wins per 82 games. Um, only four of them made the playoffs. Only three won 42 games or more. Uh, if you go back to 10 years, then it's 57 teams averaging 28.9 wins. Uh, 11 out of 57 made the postseason, and seven won 42 or more games. Um, you know, you look at last season, the Wolves were 29 and 53. And basically every player in their rotation was healthy. Uh, Towns, Levine, Dang, and Muhammad all played 82 games. Wiggins played 81. Rubio, who had missed like 28 games a year over his first four seasons, he played 76 games. Uh, Bielitsa only missed four games due to injury. Uh, regression is coming, especially when you consider they're a Tom Thibodeau team, and Tom Thibodeau teams never stay healthy. Um, you know, it's also, they have the bones of a good defense, like Towns is a good defender, Wiggins is a good defender, Rubio is a good defender. Uh, Thibodeau, obviously, is the best defensive coach in the league, but they have a long way to go before they're even an average defense. They were the 27th best defensive team in the league last season uh, by defensive efficiency. To expect them to just jump from there to the top five or top ten, I think, is too much. And last point from there is... Uh, they're going to be a minus shooting team also. Like there's maybe three guys on the team you can count on to make threes, uh, Bielitsa, Levine, and Brandon Rush. Um, Towns made 34% of his threes last season, but only took 88 threes, took eight threes at Kentucky. Uh, before we count on him to make like, you know, 38, 40% of his threes on multiple attempts a game, we might want to actually see it first. Um, so to me, there's, there's too much working against them this season to get to that over, um, even though that over-under is going to look minuscule in the future. I think Carl Towns is going to be a top-five finisher in the MVP. I think that Tom Thibodeau is one of the five best coaches in the league. I think if you have one of the five best players and one of the five best coaches, you're going to be in the neighborhood of winning 50 games. Um, Look, and that's why I, I can I can definitely see it, and that's sort of why I wrote the piece because that's become sort of a popular uh, line of reasoning. Maybe not people thinking fifty wins, but certainly like in the forties. Um, and to me, it just it feels a lot like Utah last year, where it's like a year too early, and they'll be in you know the mid thirties or so. Utah wound up with forty last year amid a bunch of injuries. Um, I think especially if, if Minnesota, if Rubio or Towns gets hurt. It's a disaster sure. for them. Yeah, I mean, look, if, Tal- um, if Talons misses games, my prediction is obviously in real trouble. I'm, I'm sure. the first to admit that. But I, I, just, I think this team should have won over 35 games last year. I think in reality they were a 35-40 to 40 win team with just horrendous coaching. And that, that, that really, especially late in games, really limited them. And that, I, so I think that's part of it. And frankly, the other thing is, I look at this team a lot like the Oklahoma City team that went from 23 wins to 50 wins in a much tougher and deeper Western Conference um, back in 2010. I think they have a similar array of talent to that team in terms of young guys that could take a leap. And I think you know going going to Tibbs is gonna gonna benefit them a lot. But we yeah. we look, we've laid I, out uh, our positions on. I'm that in the game. minority. I'm in the minority here. Oh I no no I don't think uh, you are. I, I mean. I don't. I don't think anybody's as high on them as me, and I, I think you're. Oh no, I don't think anybody's up at fifty. But most people, I feel like, are you know in the forties, solidly in the mix for a playoff spot. I feel like they're a few games back from that. Uh, both of my roommates, by the way, had them on the over as in their best best in the in the pool that I'm talking about. One of my roommates is a Wolves fan, so maybe he's oh. a little bit biased, <laughs> but because uh, he grew he grew up in Minnesota. Um, well, he's finally gonna have something to be excited about. 
Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And look, this is it's not like I don't have high hopes for the Wolves for the future. Like they're going to be really good for a really long time. And Towns is maybe one of the 10 best players in the league already. Yeah, you're and, you're allowed uh, you're allowed to you're allowed to pump the brakes. You don't have to justify yeah. pumping the brakes. <laughs> yeah. You don't have it's, to you don't have to excuse trying to be realistic. I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, look, I 50 wins I know is a is a bold call and on the the far end of uh on the far end of it. Um, you know, that's that that's uh that's you know, you all the all the things you gave are very realistic things. I just think that they're the exception to the rule because of the guys that they have, but enough, uh, enough on them. Let's get to these last couple teams and, and bounce out. So the Phoenix Suns, a 26 and a half. Yeah. I feel like this is an under, um, again, it's, it's sort of like the Lakers where they have a bunch of guys I think are going to be good, but they're all too young to be able to carry them to all that many wins this season. Um, you know, and, and even the older guys they have, like Jared Dudley is a really good guy to have on your team. If you're a good team, um, he's not going to affect Phoenix's win total all that much, I don't think. Like He'll be a tremendous influence, I think, on their young guys, and I love his game, but he's someone who's much more valuable on a winning team than he is on a losing team, and this is a losing team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the under. Um, I think they have a lot of interesting young pieces, um, but I, I, just, I just think that they're – a year away or a couple years away from really being good. And, uh, you know, I, this is another team with a guy who's never really coached for Earl Watson. There's some growing pains that come with that. So, um, so I, I like them to be, to be under shout out to Devin Booker though. Shoot your shot, kid. I love it. <laughs> he should, he should be good. I, I'd like to see him be good again for a little longer than, uh, a little longer than, than the few weeks it was at the end of last season. Yeah. But, um, but I, I think that, I think that he'll be. Uh, I think that he'll be a very good player. I like to see him play a little bit of defense. That'd that nice. would definitely help. <laughs> That's part of why I've, I've I've been telling people to pump the brakes on him a little bit too. And he, look, he's going to be really good. But you know, he he also was pretty bad before the All Star break, and then really good when a lot of teams stopped paying attention. So so let's right. see what happens as he comes into this season and it is the focal point. But he's looked good in the preseason. He, I'm I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to see him. Should be should be Me good. too. Portland Trailblazers, 46 and a half. Very interesting number, in my opinion. I don't like taking the over for any team in which Evan Turner is going to be heavily involved. Um, that was one of my least favorite signings of the offseason. Uh, I'd also like to see Dame and CJ play a little bit of defense. Um, I, I do think that they have a very interesting big man rotation with Plumley and if Azealia is healthy and Leonard. Um, there's a good mix, I think, of skill sets there, and Harkless and Aminu on like the big wing kind of guys. Like they have a lot of the kind of skill sets that you need to win a bunch of regular season games. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to defend. Um, you know, barring Azili getting a lot of minutes and playing really well, this is a team that I think they defended basically for like a month last season. And other than that, they were really, really bad on defense. Um, Maybe Dame and CJ can make the offense good enough to overcome it again, but I'm sort of skeptical. I feel like you know 44 to 47 uh, is sort of the range for them again. Um, but that said, I've gone under on so many West teams. Somebody has to win a bunch of games, so I feel like I'm going against 
everything that I think about the team and taking the over because somebody has to win. Yeah, you summed them up very well. I'm in the, I think I'm in the exact same range. I'm taking the over just because I think they might get a couple wins better, but I, I really have no idea what to make of them. So <laughs> I'm with you completely. Uh, the, I feel like they wind up in the 4-5 game again. Maybe, I, maybe the six. Yeah, I think they're going to be four to six and somewhere between 45 and 50. I, I have no idea where, though. I mean, they, yeah. you, you summed them up very well. Uh, Sacramento Kings, 32 and a half. I'm, I can say pretty confidently here, I'm taking the over. Um, barring, barring a DeMarcus Cousins trade, I think they're going to win 35 or so games. I think Dave Yeager's an upgrade. And I think, you know, like we've talked about a few times, they just have a lot of NBA players now. And I, I think that's going to kind of carry them to having a you know, a mediocrely bad season instead of a truly bad one. They have a bunch of NBA players. I don't necessarily know if they have any NBA point guards because Ty Lawson has apparently gone to the club again. And Ty Lawson's Darren still, Collison, he's still there, though. He, he looked He's looked okay during the preseason, I will say. He's looked better than... Didn't he just, like, miss a team flight and nobody knows did, what's going on? No, like, he's he's come <laughs> back and played since then. I was over there for a game on Tuesday. <laughs> And uh, Darren Collison suspended. And look, Boogie should make them more than a 35-win team. But that's been true for the last few years also, and it hasn't happened. Uh, I think much like with the New York teams, you are always safe betting on the Kings to be worse than you think they should be. So I am going with the under. Um, Yeah, that's – I mean, look, that betting under on the Kings, as you said, very safe bet. Um, So, you know, if they – I mean, I, I'm kind of hoping that they, they have a bad season and then get the number one pick and swap it with the Sixers just as a, um, <laughs> a just as an ongoing reminder of how horrendous their trade was a couple of years ago. Oh, them. my God. Uh, just one is, it, is it protected, number one, or no, is it totally it's unprotected? it's a straight swap. It's a straight swap. Oh, right, it's a swap. Yeah, oh, my it's, God. It's insane. It's, it's just completely insane. Um, so, yeah, so that, that's, that's enough on the Kings. <laughs> we don't need to remind Kings fans anymore how depressing that'll be. Uh, San Antonio Spurs. 56 and a half. I like the over here, um, even though I am skeptical about some particular things going on with the Spurs, which you can read about next week uh, at, at Vice, where I'll be writing a bunch. Um, mostly, you know what, I won't spoil it. Uh, I think the Spurs are over, even if I do have some reservations about their playoff viability. I think they're going to be a great regular season team again. I think they're going to win 60 games, and I think they're going to then, like you said, struggle in the playoffs because of their guard play. Um, I think Pau Gasol is the kind of guy that can win you a lot of regular season games, even still. Um, but it, he, he will be an issue during the playoffs. And, uh, and I, I, really, I, really think that, uh, I really think that their, their guard play in the playoffs is going to be a huge problem. Um, it's, it, you know, it's just going to be, just going to be tough. Yeah, I kind of feel like if you put them in 1-5 pick and rolls at any point during the playoffs, you're going to be able to sort of walk into the paint uh, and figure out. Or you're just going to have to not play Pow at all, you know, because I think LaMarcus is a little underrated on defense. That's going to work out real well because Pow always takes kindly to not not playing down the stretch or coming off the bench. Yep. Uh, Yeah, he's This is another team kind of like the Knicks where (laughs) – you could argue their best lineup is with Kawhi at the four and Larks at the five, and they're going to spend most of the time with them playing at the three and the four instead. Yeah, uh, they're a little bit better than the Knicks, though. Oh, yes, yes. That, <laughs> that's the only way that they're like the Knicks, the, o- the yeah. only one. Uh, all right, and then finally, the Utah Jazz, yep. over-under of 47 and a half. Gordon Hayward injury or not, I am on the over. I'm driving the Jazz yeah, bandwagon Everybody's on the year. Jazz bandwagon. 
Yeah, maybe I'm not driving it, but I'm at least like in one of the front seats. Um, I was on the it's too early for the Jazz train last season, and I wound up being right because of injuries. I think they addressed um, basically all of their main weaknesses from last season with their offseason moves. Um, They upgraded big time at point guard uh, to George Hill um, from basically not having any NBA players at point guard last season. Uh, I think Hill is a perfect fit next to Rodney Hood and Gordon Hayward because, again, he's a a plus defender with extremely long arms that should help uh, defend. Favors and Gobert defends one of the few plus defenders at point guard, and he's also used to working off the ball, which helps uh, fit in because so much of the ball handling in Utah is done again by Hood and, Fav- and Hood and Hayward. And I know Hayward's out for a little bit, but I think they can get by until he comes back. And like you said, it's an injury that once it's healed, it should be healed. Um, and then I really liked adding both Joe Johnson and Boris Diaw. Like that just lengthens your rotation a couple more. NBA players and Joe should be able to shoot and he should I feel like he should know that on this team he's sort of a designated shooter kind of guy like he was for a lot of the time uh, in Miami last season and Bobo will be Bobo you know he might get a little bit fat who knows but he's going to whip passes all over the court he's going to you know bully guys in the post Uh, I I like everything they did this offseason and I feel like it's going to work out very well for them I'm taking the under uh, I think because uh, you're a monster. Well, look, Utah, for two years, people have been saying that Utah is going to be the it team, right? And for two years, for whatever reason, they haven't done it. I would like them to show me that they are actually going to do it first. I think That's they're going to make enough. the playoffs. I think, like, I had them as the seventh seed in the West. I think they'll win 45 or 46 games. It's a little south of the number, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go under, but. Look, Listen, a lot, to, a lot of smart quote, people, including you, including our friend Zach, a lot of people have them uh, as the third or fourth best team in the West. Kevin Pelton had them, I think, as the third best team in his projection. Uh, they could they could be really good, and I like a lot of their players. I just need to see them actually do it. To uh, to quote the great prophet Nelly, I'm <laughs> from the show me state. You show me seven, I'll show you eight. You're saying the Jazz need to show you they can get to 47 wins. I'm saying they will get to at least 48 at, and hit at, that 47 and a half over Nelly reference. That's fantastic. And I, I can't believe I just did that, but it fit very well. And I'm very excited about it. <laughs> it was, it was a terrible job on your part, but I enjoyed it. Uh, all right. So, um, your best bets. Mine are Houston's over Miami's under Toronto's over the thunders under and Minnesota's over. What are yours? I have uh, Minnesota under Clippers over rockets over Hornets over and Sixers under. Well, there you go. There are your definitive plays. Uh, at least one of them we completely disagree on. I think we're going to have to do some kind of a lunch or dinner on uh, on the, the Wolves since we're on. I already said if, if they win 50, uh, I'll let you buy me a steak. Like Zach is buying you a steak if they win 50, and I will let you buy me a steak. Yes, that, I remember that. That was, that was very kind of you to do that. Uh, no, it's no problem. Um, all right. Well, I've, I've kept you long enough, Jared, so thanks, uh, thanks for stopping by. I. Uh, do you have anything coming up that you want to plug in terms of uh, – you I know you should plug the podcast, but but, but uh, send, tell the people where to find your stuff and whatever you got coming up here. Yeah, uh, just give me a follow or – you know what? Don't follow. Just sort of like lurk behind my account on Twitter because I'm <laughs> annoying to follow. But I, that's where I send out all my work. Uh, it's at jadubin5, the, uh, the number five, not F-I-V-E. Um, and I'll be writing at a bunch of different places throughout the season. Uh, a lot of stuff at Vice, uh, fan-sided, several other places as well. Um, and then uh, I've got the Locked On Knicks podcast, part of uh, David Locke's 
uh, Locked On Podcast Network, which is blowing up right now. Uh, recorded an episode earlier with our man Jason Concepcion, uh, the maester, the great network. That's uh, right. The ringer. We talked about Christoph Porzingis. I got several more episodes coming with other uh, friends of the podcast and friends of you and I, Tim, uh, throughout the next few days before the season gets started. And I'll do that throughout the season also. And I'm just excited to get to watch some real basketball. Real basketball. We've been watching the last few days. That's right. No, it's going to be going to be great. Very excited to get started. Um, you can uh, you can find my work on the Washington Post website uh, or in the newspaper. Uh, please subscribe uh, to one or the other or both if you can get both. Uh, that would be great. Our election coverage has been fantastic. We still have some some subscription deals for that through the rest of the election. So I would do yourself a favor and do that. Plus, you can read all of uh, all of my many. Uh, my many season preview stories, including today's top 100, which we discussed earlier. Uh, please rate and review the podcast on Twitter or on Twitter, on iTunes, on Twitter. Jesus. Twitter also. Twitter yeah, also. Twitter. You can find it on Twitter when I tweet it out uh, at Tim Bontemps. Uh, but you can uh, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Uh, Five star reviews really help us out a lot. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, don't take a minute. Thank you for doing so. Um, there'll be a lot more season preview stuff coming the next few days so check that out and uh i'll be with the warriors over the first few weeks of the regular season so if you have any interest in them you can uh you can see what that circus looks like so um so jared thanks again for stopping by and doing this man it's been fun and uh to everybody who's out there listening thank you for doing so we'll talk again soon thank you for having me man i appreciate it and uh i'm unbiased because i don't work for the washington post it has been great election coverage and everybody should check that out there you go i didn't even have him on and have that plan so that's perfect uh that's uh that that's good so thank thanks again everybody for listening we'll talk to y'all soon